Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Joshua, the world's mayor, and we are on the Live Mana Network right now. Thank you so much for being here. You can find our network by downloading the app, the Live Mana Network app, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, your phone, tablet, computers, app store. Uh, of course, any podcast network, we are there. Thank you for your support. Also, we are a viewer and listener-supported uh, network, so thank you so much for everyone who sews into us uh, every every month that helps us keep the foundation and the network going. Uh, we are a censorship-free platform. Uh, you can, of course, scan that barcode there if you want to, uh, to, to sew into us. But we deal with censorship and why we have our own network. One, I believe that this, as crazy as this sounds, we will all have our own form of a network soon. We will all be our own media organization soon because having a network and having a media organization really are not going to mean what it means now, today, or what it meant five years ago or three years ago or 10 years ago. The power of media is being distributed into the hands of many. Like we, it, That is how it's going to be, coming sooner than you think. The president talks about it. In fact, we just got a video taken off of YouTube called Transhumanism. You can find it on our website. Again, you just go to livemana.org, but it's also on our network. And why did they take it down? Well, because we told the truth about transhumanism, like how we are getting there. What are all the world events that have taken place that have gotten us to this place where we have this transhumanist agenda so what are the things that, how are they getting there? How are they getting us to merge with machine? We went into those details, the same details that got, got us kicked off of social media before, but because we thought it, we were safe because of the news article that we read from, evidently we're not safe. So emphasizes, e emphasizing even more why we have to have our network because we're censored everywhere else. We've got another strike. We've got our YouTube channel taken down hundreds of videos and started a new one like a month ago and already have a strike. And all we did was tell the truth. Just insane to me. But one of the other areas that we are trying to tell the truth about is the truth about civil commitment and also the truth about sexually violent persons that I don't even know if it's an actual medical term, but it seems to be an official term with governments around the nation. And how they get to decide who's actually a sexually violent person and who's not is questionable. So what I've been trying to do, and I'm, my hope, of course, is to have more politicians and people with political power on to discuss some of these issues that affect you, the audience. You, the non-sex offender. This affects you, too. I know it's amazing how... Sometimes the things that we see with our own eyes and we think that they're against us or for us, how that sometimes is the illusion of all. But the things that we can't see are actually the things that are working for and against us. Now, I'm big in believing in the spirit world, and I believe the spirit world is more real than the real world. As crazy as that sounds, that's how I believe. And with what I've seen in my life, I have inexperienced, I have no reason to believe differently. But that said, um, one of the things that I want to do, because I don't want to just keep repeating the same legal argument over and over and over again, I kind of want to understand 
how the decision makers make these decisions about who is deemed sexually violent or who's deemed violent or who's deemed evil or whatever it may be. So I've been doing a lot of research trying to find different articles and different uh, presentations from government officials. And I found something from the CDC, which was done a few years ago, and the, so the numbers won't be exactly accurate to today, but I gotta think that some of this stuff is a little bit more extreme. I didn't go through the entire presentation, but it did have some of what I was looking for, so that's why we're gonna do it. Um, I, we are, oh, really quick, I want to give a shout out. Uh, we are getting ready. Um, I don't time stamp these broadcasts very often, but tomorrow uh, we're getting to interview the Machine Gun Preacher. If you haven't seen that movie, highly recommend it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but the man that that movie is about is coming on, and uh, you won't want to miss that. So thank you for being here. Uh, we will be right back after these messages. subjects to talk about. And uh, so while I feel like in some ways I'm kind of getting into the gutter, what I want you to understand is this. This matters. And, and for the same reasons why Jesus left the 99 for the one, is the same reason we're doing this. No, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus at all. But as believers, this is what we're supposed to do. What good is it for me to go into a community of other believers. Like, first of all, I'm not really welcome there. Like, I, I'm not welcome most of the places. Or if I don't conform to their way of doing things, I'm definitely not welcome. It's not my thing. I follow the Lord, and I'm obedient to the Lord, and I do what the Lord tells me, and that's about it. And, yeah, I read the Bible, love the Bible. It's the most amazing book ever written as far as I'm concerned. But my relationship's not with a book. It's with God. And mind you, sometimes I got a lot of noise in my head and I don't hear clearly from God. Sometimes I'm not myself, literally. And I'm not hearing from God then either. Or I can't, at least I can't hear him. That said, 
I believe with all my heart that God is going to rectify the injustices that happen all over the world. Every form of slavery, debt bondage, uh, you know, the, the injustice, whether it's from race or sex or uh, sexuality, or injustices like the people that are being, that are victims of double jeopardy, innocent people that are being locked up because somebody assumed that they were going to commit a crime, but they didn't, and so on and so on. But it's one thing to understand what people say that are victims. But the people that are making these decisions for the rest of the world, that are they're the ones that write the laws, the ones that make the rules, the ones that give the labels and create the terms like sexually violent people sexually violent people, the ones that create all this stuff, the psychiatrists, the psychologists that are working for the same government, that their funding depends on the amount of people that are in these prisons. There's big money in the, in, in the prison system. The hospital system, especially when there's a mental health tag added to it, there's even more money involved. Now, how does the other side think? I don't know, but hopefully this presentation will help us figure that out. Okay. And this may be good information for really anybody for that matter. Hold on a second. Okay. Connecting the dots, an overview of the links among multiple forms of violence. I can't read that. Shrink myself here. Connecting the Dots Brief, what it is. This is a brief document that translates research about the connections between different forms of violence, shared risk, and protective factors. Audience, the public health and violence prevention practitioners and their partners. So this, is, this presentation was meant for public health, people in public health, uh, and people that are involved with violence pre pre prevention practitioners and their partners. I'm a partner of this, and, and frankly, you should be too. Like, we need to know these things. So the purpose is to help violence prevention, prevention practitioners and their partners, A, better understand and make the case for the connections between multiple forms of violence, and B, think strategically and creatively about ways to prevent all types of violence from occurring in the first place. The findings and conclusions in this presentation do not necessarily represent the official position of the CDC. Okay, got that out. But so far, this sounds great and ethical, right? Let's, let's hope this continues. Deborah Prathal Stith said, Gang violence is connected to bullying, is connected to school violence, is connected to intimate partner violence, is connected to child abuse, is connected to elder abuse. It's all connected. Yeah, I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I... Why do people go join gangs anyway? Well, because they want the money. They want the protection. Why do people do business with the mob? They want their protections, or sometimes the protections forced upon them. Um, like, in other words, hey, <laughs> never mind. You guys know how that goes. I don't need to go into acting here. Um, but then you think about, well, I don't believe that people are born abusers. 
I mean, abuse people abuse. Hurt people hurt. So of course this is all connected. Different forms of violence. Peer violence, youth violence, bullying, gang-related violence, fights, suicidal behavior, Ooh. child maltreatment, which is physical, sexual, emotional neglect, intimate partner violence, teen dating violence, sexual violence, and elder abuse. Why focus on shared risk and protective factors? Prevent multiple forms of violence simultaneously. It's all rooted in the same thing, isn't it? Develop new partnerships. Leverage resources and funding streams. Well, I mean, okay. This just seems like a great way to get people to give more money to your cause. Consider large pool of strategies. Hmm. Defining shared risk and protect protective factors. Research on risk and protective factors for violence is continuously evolving because there's new factors. Now you've got a technology aspect to all of this, how social media affects us. In the tables of the following slides, risk and protective factors are collapsed into general categories but may have measured differently across different violence areas, different studies. X's indicate the existence of at least one study published and a peer-reviewed journal demonstrating an association between the risk or protection factor and type of violence. Societal risk factors. What does this mean? CM, child maltreatment. T, uh, TDV is teen dating violence. IPV is intimate partner. SV is sexual violence. Uh, YV is youth violence. Media violence. Societal. Media. I would imagine that Media violence, golly. Harmful gender norms. You know, this feels like to me, I don't even know why suicide's not marked here. This is interesting. Income inequality. How is not, see, I would think that all of this would come together. And those of you that are listening on the podcast and radio can't see it, but you can go to livemana.org and look at that chart. That is really trippy. Neighborhood poverty, higher alcohol outlet density, community violence, wow, lack of economic opportunities, low neighborhood support, cohesion. You know, I... Well, I mean, obviously, when you don't have opportunities... When the youth grow up and they think that their only opportunity and only option is to join a gang or to become a thief or to, to be on the corner selling drugs or, I mean, of course, now there's internet scams. There's all kinds of stuff. But when people don't see a way, they're going to find a way. Now, the problem is when you take it upon yourself and you don't have the the tools. You're not spiritually mature. You're not mature at all. You're immature. And you don't know, you don't have boundaries. You don't have discipline. You're going to be more apt to commit crimes or to abuse, to steal. But if you see in your own neighborhoods, you see people come on the come up and on the come up doing it the right way. 
and they can visually see things around them that, hey, the people around us are being good stewards, of the, they're taking care of the buildings, they're taking care of the property. You know, that's inspiring. It's way inspiring. When you... When, but when I'm, you walk through a neighborhood and you see nothing but homeless people, and I'm not knocking the homeless, and you see nothing but people using drugs on the side of the street, and you see boarded up windows, and you see spray paint everywhere. What does that do? How does it affect you? When you're in gunshots all hours of the day, not just in the middle of the night, how does it affect you? Well... If you're living in fear, fear changes who you are. Because when we live in fear, we're not living in our identity. We're not living with the knowing of what's really true. And I know that this may sound crazy, but regardless of where you've grown up, what you've seen, whether you grew up around all the homeless people, whether you grew up um, you know, with the gunshots and the gang violence and everything else, or you grew up in a lily white neighborhood, oh, you leave it to Beaver, you know, upper middle class, the suburbs, all that stuff. When you've grown up around that, it, 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 it's easier to have hope because you know what success looks like. And believe me, there's the wealthy, they have their own issues. But I'm talking about and there's violence that happens in those homes too because you've got addiction, you've got all kinds of other problems. But let's just focus on the youth here. If they don't see a way out, but what they see is, well, I can join this gang and then maybe I don't have to worry and then I can provide for my mama or pray for my grandmother or pray for whoever's raising. Like, Part of my fight with this, this, this injustice that's happening uh, with uh, civil commitment, these civil commitment laws and locking people up that don't need to be locked up, you know, part of the problem with, with that I'm seeing, and there's lots of problems, but one of them is the waste of money. Like money could be diverted elsewhere, going into different places to... To help with these neighborhoods. To bring hope. To put more funding into... I mean, heck, whether it's art, resource, art, uh, 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 different, having better counselors, better educated counselors, um, sports programs, recess for goodness sake. Uh, like, but even community centers. I mean, part of what we want to do is create youth media literacy centers and put them all over the world. But these media centers will have, I mean, they'll teach people how to, to monetize their intellectual property. Why does that matter? Well, because some people, the only education they have is their intellectual property. But then if you teach them the skills of the future, they can take that intellectual property and actually make a life for themselves. And that's part of one of the that it's one of the things that we're very passionate about teaching. So in the same vein of a boys and girls club and other community centers, like, yeah, have that stuff, but also have programs and computers and technology available for kids to be able to learn how to, well, to learn media, new media, how to build a brand, how to storytell, 
how to make their art, whatever their art is. It could be painting, sculptures, uh, it could be rap, spoken word, talk show, acting. Act you need to know all the same things moving forward. So why not offer these programs? Social isolation. <laughs> They're going to solve social isolation with the metaverse, which is really not solving it at all, but it's, it's a soul trap. That's my belief. Call me crazy, but I'm not getting in the metaverse. I'm not going to Web3. I'm not going, I'm not doing all that. And look, there's big changes coming. But social isolation, I mean, what do you, what, what? I don't know what year this was done. This is 2014. Okay, 2014, this was on here. This was pre-COVID. So imagine what it is now. But this has got to be a massive issue. Social isolation, massive. Poor parent-child relationships. I mean, the hatred of my father was enough to get me to do some pretty bad stuff. Which in turn realized was just really hating myself. Economic stress. Think about what that does. And again, if you don't have proper education, you don't have a proper support system to kind of, especially in your early years, to motivate you and encourage you and to help you believe that you can do anything that you put your mind to. You can do whatever, whatever dream and vision you have, you can do. Because I believe those dreams and visions come from God and it's God showing you what's possible. And for some people have a hard time believing that because all they've seen around them is chaos and death and, and addiction and abuse and violence. But God created each and every one of us to do something extraordinary. And when we turn ourselves from aligning ourselves with God and God's heart for us and why we were created and we go the opposite direction, that opposite direction is where... That opposite direction is where all the bad stuff happens. That opposite direction, the opposite direction is basically the opposite path that God created you for. So what would happen if you're driving a Lamborghini and you're cruising down the highway and you go, I want to go off-roading. Well, the Lamborghini is driving pretty sweet on the highway. Now we're going to go mudding in it. What do you think is going to happen to the car? So, your life in your purpose is going to move like a Lamborghini on the highway. Will there be obstacles you face? Yeah, but the thing is, you were created to overcome those obstacles. You were created to overcome the addiction. You were created to overcome the hardships, the pothole in the road. You were created to overcome it. To keep going. Sometimes you may blow out a tire, but you can put a new tire on. But when you get off in the mud with your Lamborghini, you're going to need someone to come tow you out. And God knows what the repairs are going to cost. God knows the damage that you've done to the Lamborghini. God knows how long it'll take you to even get the Lamborghini out. 
of the mud. But you still get an opportunity, regardless of how much mud you have, you still get an opportunity. Maybe you dent up the fenders and so on. But all of it's fixable. Will the car have scars on it still? Yep, probably. Will it operate as perfectly as it did before? Mm, probably not. But now, you got the wisdom that you can't go mudding in your Lamborghini. Now that's a really bad analogy. I mean, actually, no, I think that was actually a pretty good analogy, just a really weird one. But regardless of what you've done in your life, let's just look at mud as sin or mud as evil or mud as pain and trauma and PTSD. Didn't change the purpose of that car. Doesn't change the purpose of your life. So no matter how evil you are or were, or the bad things that you've done, God's plan for you hasn't changed. The purpose and reason why you were created has not changed. So for people that have the, the prison records and the rap sheet, and I, I got my own record that affects me from having normal employment and things like that. But didn't change God's purpose for my life at all because I'm getting to do it now. And I did a lot of evil stuff, hence the book, The Devil Inside Me, which is my testimony. Regardless of what you've done, God's purpose for you doesn't change. But when you're using your body, your vessel, for something that God didn't create you for, things are going to go wrong. And one of the things he didn't create us for was evil, to do evil. To hurt people we love, to hate, to, 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 to abuse, to hurt, to steal innocence. But God still will forgive you and give you an opportunity to live the life that you were created for. And it's simply surrendering the life that you've lived for the life he wants you to live. And I promise you, the life he wants you to live is simply only that so you can fulfill your purpose. Every one of you have a purpose or you would not be breathing right now. Let's see what this says. Family support. That's another thing. We've just like taken... I'm going to skip through this stuff. It's just a bunch of... Here we go. Oop, go back. That's another thing. The family dynamic. It's, it's, it's been destroyed. And it's really easy for people to blame the media for that. I blame the media for a lot of things. But the fact is, we've all chosen to participate in what they're selling or what they're dishing out. Like, we're there. Eyeballs just staring right at it. Nonstop. Flip, flip, flip on our phone. Give me more information, more information. And none of it, we, most of us have no way of knowing if it's true or not. If the news just started being honest all of a sudden, I would have no idea because I quit looking at it as much as possible. 
because you know it is kind of unavoid unavoidable. But when I see it, like, are they finally telling the truth? Because I don't even know, and it's not worth figuring out. Anyway, survivors of one form of violence are more likely to be victims of other forms of violence. Girls who are sexually abused are more likely to suffer physical violence and sexual re-victimization, engage in self-harming behavior. And that could be cutting. It could be even being promiscuous. Be a victim of intimate partner violence later in life. Youth have, who have been physically abused by a dating partner also are more likely to have suffered abuse as a child, been a victim of sexual assault, or witnessed violence in the family. Women and girls involved in gangs are often experience physical, emotional, and sexual abuse by other gang members. Are more likely to have been physically or sexually abused as children. That's all pretty common sense, I think. Youth who report attempting suicide are approximately five times more likely to have been in a physical fight in the last year. Wow. Children who have been bullied are at greater odds for becoming involved in physical violence. It's true. Survivors of violence are at risk for other negative health behaviors and outcomes. Risky behaviors, physical inactivity, smoking, drug, alcohol abuse, early sexual activity. It's for me. I, like, i seven years old. And I, I can't even say, I mean, this sounds probably a little ridiculous, but it's true. I, um... I mean, I guess I could say that the, the guys that molested me or the babysitter that molested me, of course, or the men after, but really you have to focus on the first one because that's usually it's the first one that begins the problem or the confusion. But I've said this before, like, I don't believe being molested made me bisexual or whatever else. I think that maybe I was probably born that way before. Uh, and, and so, but, but... Being molested awoken me to what pleasure felt like. There was pleasure and pain, but still pleasure. And there was also fear. And all of that was there. So I can't blame other people for what I you know, turned into or as, as far as sexuality goes. The abuse, the confusion, the learning to lie, uh, hiding what was going on, all those things uh, contributed. And then, of course, being probably pre-conceived to having an addiction and some mental health issues, um, predisposed, I think is the word, you know, I, I, all that there was a bunch of contributing factors that came into this. But I was born in an upper middle class home. I, I didn't ex experience poverty until later, um, and my version of poverty really wasn't what other people experienced. So, like, I'm not a victim there either. Uh, so, survivors of violence are at risk 
for other negative health behaviors or outcomes like chronic disease, obesity. <laughs> I, there's something about my weight fluctuation that is tied to sexuality with me. And that reveals an area that needs to be healed. So like my relationship with food changes dramatically with where I'm at with myself and, and, but my sexuality is somehow tied to it also. And I don't understand it. I don't understand that at all. Um, but it seems to be connected because as my weight will fluctuate one way or the other, so will my sexual appetite. I don't know how to explain it. It's freaking weird. Uh, other health problems, uh, teen pregnancy was a part of that. STDs, yep, have HIV. Depression, yep. Suicide, yep. I mean, I'm still here. Job problems, oh, absolutely. I mean, if I didn't have somebody enabling me for so many years, and I was really good at what I did, but I mean, I was getting away with things that I should not have gotten away with. And growing up, like... I mean, literally was a full-blown cocaine addict all through working in healthcare. I just hit it pretty well, but really not well enough for people to not recognize sooner or say something about it. And mind you, maybe not everybody knows what to say, but I did all these things. And I experienced physical abuse outside of the sexual abuse. And it contributes, it, it plays a role. And how it affects us, it's different for everyone because the levels of violence are different. The types of disease is different. But it's all the same. And so I think it's rooted in the same evil regardless of how it's expressed, like how the victim expresses their pain. But that's why I believe that sex offenders who have served their time and I don't believe that they're going to continue to be violent. I believe that God can heal them. I believe that God can heal anyone that's willing to let them heal. To, or willing to let God heal them. But that requires work. I didn't get to a place of living my dreams overnight. It took years of work. It's taken years of work. It still takes work. But God can do it. God's willing to do it. Gonna go away, screen. <laughs> I got this screen that won't go away. Okay, here we go. Ah, you're gonna have to see that slide. I can't read it even like this. Okay. Although most victims of violence do not behave violently, they are at a higher risk of behaving violently. Although most victims of violence do not behave violently, they are at higher risk for behaving violently. See, when you word it like that, it makes it seem like it's not an epidemic. And it is. It is. And when you word it like that, to me, it takes the emphasis off of, hey, we need more resources, everyone. 
Children who experience physical abuse or neglect early in their lives are at a greater risk for committing violence against peers, particularly for boys, bullying, teen, teen dating violence, child abuse, elder abuse, intimate partner violence, and sexual violence later in life. So these monsters aren't born that way. They're created. And they're created because of the abuse that they suffer and then not having the resources in place to help them heal early. Because what happens is if they don't get the resources, then the PTSD, the trauma, the abuse, all this just starts to compound and what it creates is nothing good. Youth who have witnessed parental violence are more likely to bully others. No kidding. People who behave violently are more likely to commit other forms of violence. I believe that. Adults who are violent toward their partners are at higher risk of also abusing their children. Youth who, are, youth who bully are more likely to carry weapons or be physic, and be physically violent. I got a few weapon things. Like, I, I, I pulled a gun on my neighbors when I was a kid. My brother chased me around the house with a knife, but I probably deserved it. But physical violence, absolutely, was definitely a thing. Sexually harassed peers, I can't tell you that I've been all that innocent. Because, I mean, sexual harassment now is really hard to quantify because, you know, what used to be okay, like, hey, I like your hair, it looks nice. I mean, that can be looked at poorly now by some people. Um, you know, putting your arm around someone was acceptable growing up. Now, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things. Um, but sexual harassment, too. Slapping people on the butt. Like, that would be looked at as sexual harassment. I've done that. 100%. I've made comments that I shouldn't have made. Absolutely. Commit, vi sec uh, commit violence against partners or teens. And then commit violence against partners as adults. Yep. I've done all of that. I've been an abuser. Wasn't just abused. I was an abuser too. Examples of potential strategies for addressing multiple forms of violence. So community and societal level. Norms. Change strategies. Don't know what that's supposed to mean. Strategies. Activities, activities that enhance community support and uh, connectedness. Connectedness. Coordinated services. Yeah. But this has got to be in, like, starting elementary school, junior high, high school, college, and it's just got to be there. But we also have to, like, I can't, I don't believe that it can be set up as just, I don't believe it can be just set up as, okay, I've got a guidance counselor here, there's therapy there's this program and that program. Because the problem is, like, if I'm being abused and I see a program sign, it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to go there because there's fear. And these support groups have, like, support groups, like, the people that go are not always there for the right reason. I've experienced it in, S-A, S-A-A, or S-L-A, A-A, N-A, 
um, support groups. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I'm sure you've all seen, you know, shows where somebody's like goes in and they go into a rehab or a support group and they're dealing drugs. Well, let's just say that predators do the same thing with sex and violence and so on. I experienced it. Experienced it during an SA meeting. Relationship level. Strategies that support families under stress. Strategies that connect youth with supportive adults, pro-social peers, and their schools. Individual levels. Strategies that build youth and family skills solving problems non-violently. Substance abuse prevention strategies. Um, it's all about resources. It's all about providing a safe place for kids to go. Because, like, I believe that having a community center environment with things that kids actually want to do and teaching things that skills want to know. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but what kid doesn't care about his following? I mean, I don't know many adults that don't care about their following. And mind you, I'm not on social media anymore. I don't care about it in, in getting caught up in that, but frankly, other people do. Now, but people want to know how to be an influencer. People want to know how to monetize. Like if, if people could just sit on their phone and make money, I think they would do it. Knowing media allows you to do that. And I believe that the skills that media, new media can teach will show you how you can pretty much do anything you've ever dreamed of. That's what the technology allows for. So many cool things now. That's why we have the free training on our, on our website. Check it out. Like it gives you all the fundamentals Again, it's right here, livemana.org. Check it out, or livemanaworldwide.org, either one. But that's what that's there for. Utilize it, because it can show you all the things that's possible. And frankly, all the things that are necessary to know moving into the new world. And it's coming. Last slide. Okay, so you might want to screen cap that if you want to. Because that, well, it came from the CDC website. And look, I can't say that I have a problem with anything I just read. I don't know what my problem would be, but because it seems to be in the right direction. But reading that from the CDC and then the parallels between the people that are deemed sexually violent people, the people that are victims of the civil commitment laws that really are illegal. Like, I don't even know how it's possible. But if I'm looking at what they're faced with in this, or, or they're saying, well, for everyone else it's okay, but these people we deem, they're cut off from the same thing. I, I believe in these solutions that they're talking about because honestly, they align with what's on our heart to do. But I'm not seeing this happen. This was from, again, 2014. Let me pull it back up. You can check that out. Um, let me remove my face. So cdc.gov slash violence prevention is where you can go. 
And I believe, like I said, it was from 2014. So, I don't know. I'm going to take the last few minutes here just to say this. And I may have said it earlier. I talked to a gentleman who's in Kansas. Initials MC. I'm not going to say his name, his full name, because he didn't give me permission to. I think he's going to come on the show uh, and talk. But it was heartbreaking for me to talk to him. And he's like, I've just given up hope. And yet, at the same time, with his no hope, he's still trying to draw attention to what's happening there. But he's doing it in a way He's doing it in a way of like, my life's already done, but if I can free other people, I'm going to. My life's already over, but like I'm willing to suffer the consequences of speaking out if it frees other people. That's the very, that's the kind of person I want to have hope. Because anyone that would sacrifice his own life for the betterment of others is someone that God would use. Because ultimately, that's a relationship with God. As you sacrifice, or at least it's looked at as sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice the ways of the world to do what God's showing me or telling me to do. What this gentleman's doing is the same thing to me. But I want him to have hope. I want him to know that God has a plan for him too. And, and actually, I think that what he's doing is part of God's plan. But I want him to see that. Because regardless of what we experience in our life, it's a lot easier to experience it knowing that you have a loving father that regardless of what we've done, that it can be made right and our pain and our mess and our faults and our sins and our all that has a purpose too. And God made it that way. So for all the people that don't like that are the, for the audience that is listening to this, that is in the civil commitment world. Some of you have felt abandoned by God or you blame God for the situation. I, and I know what that's like to blame God for things. But the truth is that there's consequences for all of our actions and including sometimes the things that we perceive to be good, there's consequences for. What is that? Newton's law of, or yeah, Newton's law, which is for every positive, there's an, for every negative, there's an equally positive, never mind, I'm messing it up. Um, but yeah, there's consequences. Like somebody gives you a million dollars. I mean, yeah, of course, it could be a huge blessing, but 
could also be a curse. I know what that's like. I had to learn that lesson. But God, God doesn't give up on us. And God is waiting for us to go, okay, I surrender. I surrender. Take my life. It's yours. Do with it whatever you want. Because whatever I'm doing, what I'm trying is not working. And I believe, for those of you who are locked up, and you're going, this is double jeopardy. I don't belong here. I didn't do that. Or I served my time. Like I've been, like I've been a good boy forever. And they came and threw me back in these stupid shadow prisons just to rot away for the rest of my life. That, that, that's not God. Where was God? I, I can imagine how easy it would be to say that. But I assure you that if anyone is getting out, any getting you out, I believe that it's going to be the act of God that allows that to happen. And, and it may simply, and it may start simply with you surrendering your own life for his, because I don't know how it's possible that I could have lived through some of the things that I lived through without him. And even when the situations looked horrible. We're in the middle of a horrible situation. The simple surrender seemed to always be the solution. I don't know. I can't explain how it works. Maybe it's because sometimes we think that we're God and we're not. Maybe the surrender is saying, okay, I know that you're the all-powerful. I'm clearly not or I wouldn't be in this mess. Sometimes, for those that have, haven't heard from God in a long time, it, surrendering will open the floodgates to his voice, for his voice. Again, happened for me. I don't always hear his voice, but I know he's there. And um, he's there for you too. So for those of you that are watching, the family members of those that are behind bars, and really the rest of the audience, it's, God has a plan for you. And uh, it's better than the one that you can dream up yourself, I promise you. It exceeds it. And so regardless of your situation, that stuff doesn't matter much to him. He can use all of it for good, and he will. But you have to be willing to let him do it, for him to do it. Thank you for watching. Have a blessed day.